Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. Welcome, everyone, to New Life Church here in Anfield. I am Pastor Chris Hurtado, and welcome to everyone in the building. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in and for being with us here on Sunday morning, Palm Sunday. Um, It is very good to be speaking here uh, this morning and filling in for Pastor Dave. He's a good friend of mine. I've actually known Pastor Dave since he was a youth pastor in Torrington. Some of you have known known him that long as well, but um, uh, I was a youth pastor in Bristol, so about 25 minutes away from Torrington and just it was good to be part of the network with other great youth pastors. And then I remember when he became the senior pastor here um, at New Life when it was in the, the Alma Road location. And that was just an exciting time to see one of like the youth pastors, you know, moving up to be the senior pastor. It's always an exciting time. Um, I, as Lisa said, I am Chris Hurtado. I'm a husband, I'm a dad, and I'm an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God through the Southern New England Ministry Network. Um, I have a very smart, strong, talented wife. Her name is Molly. You may have seen her with me um, from time to time. And we have two beautiful, amazing little kids, Hazel and Kevin. Usually you would see them running around before or after service. Um, Unfortunately, Kevin's actually in class, but Hazel is not cooperating today as a a two-and-a-half-year-old sometimes does. So mom is with Hazel right now, we've actually been at this church um, from the early parts of the pan- pandemic, but my first Sunday here was actually the first Sunday we launched at this location. So I got to see it. You know, I didn't see all the work happening. I, I did via video, but I got to see like the start of the building. What an exciting time, right? And um, it's just so awesome. I served, as I said, in Bristol, Connecticut as the youth pastor for a little over 10 years um, as a student ministries pastor and associate pastor. Uh, at Bethel Church in Bristol, Connecticut. And I loved my time there, but I felt like the Lord was calling me onward. So what happened is, is there was an opportunity that popped open for uh, me to work at the Southern New England Ministry Network, which is the district office of the Assemblies of God, who this church is a part of. And now I work in the church ministries and resourcing department where I get to work with pastors from 185 churches all over Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. And it's just a blessing because my heart is really to help resource ministers and to be there um, for pastors and to to help them and also to serve alongside with them. So that's just a very huge passion um, of mine. Recently, though, um, I've stepped into the role of interim youth pastor um, again, but in the Worcester area of Massachusetts. So that's why you may not see me around as often on a weekly basis, because some Sundays I'm there, some Sundays I'm here. It's kind of weird. I'm going to two churches. But um, I love the ability to be able to serve and to work with teens again um, at a great church, just like this is a great church. So please continue to pray for Pastor Dave. Uh, When I spoke to him a few days ago, he sounded pretty bad, but, you know, from what we hear, he's doing great and just uh, praying for that full speedy recovery before we enter into Easter Sunday. Today, though, is Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday, the start of Holy Week, which leads up to Resurrection Sunday. The one week where Jesus 
was to be hailed as the greatest person ever. And in fact, it really was the first time that he allowed the people around him to actually worship him and, and actually um, like celebrate him as Jesus. You, you see, if you look at other parts in, in Scripture, sometimes when he would do these great miracles, he would tell people, hey, you know, you could share with people that this amazing thing happened. However, don't tell them that I did it, right? But here he is allowing people to publicly praise him for who he is. And there's a reason for that. You see, his disciples knew him to be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And those who publicly praised him came to know him either by way of word of mouth or by the, the visual like experience of Jesus Christ doing these amazing miracles throughout the cities and throughout the towns, right? So, but here's the thing. Five days, or just a few days later, five to six days later, he would be crucified. But isn't it amazing how quick people can change? And you know what I mean? Is this, some of the same people who praised Jesus as he is walking into town became the same people who would later be yelling to Pilate, let him be crucified, give us, give us Barabbas. Isn't that crazy how people change like that? One minute you're worshiping God, the next minute you're like, uh, I don't want to be like associated with this guy that's about to be crucified. So let him be crucified. Kind of sickening. See, Jesus was heading into Jerusalem during Passover. And this was a major, major holiday. Everyone was there. Their mom. You know, the, the phrase goes, them and their mom. They were all there. You know, the streets were crowded. These streets would have been so crowded with people that have journeyed for miles upon miles to be in Jerusalem during this amazing celebration. You see, for those who knew who Christ really was, can you imagine the amazing anticipation of this great miracle worker, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, coming into town? And not just town, it was their town, right? Can you imagine how overwhelming that must have been? But here's a few things I want to note about Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. First is that Jesus knew the events that were about to happen, not just in general, but about to happen to him. He knew the events that were about to happen in the coming days. The, 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 the entry plan was so well thought out by Jesus, even to the point that, as we'll read in Luke 19, that there was an arrangement for a donkey or for a colt to be in place for his arrival. So he knew that, okay? First, he knew it was so well thought out. He had this planned, right? Second, the whole act of entering into this town was not just an act of, of, of like amazing things happening. In fact, it was an act of courage and it was also an act of defiance. And here's what I mean by that. By this point, Jesus had already offended so many people by his miracles, because who doesn't get offended by miracles, right? Jesus had already been offended by so many people, had already offended so many people by the miracles that he did, that there was already a price for his head, so to speak, right? For lack of a better term. By this point, there had been some kind of price on his head. And he entered in a way, not in some sneaky way into Jerusalem where he just dipped in and dipped out. No, he did it on a donkey in front of everyone. It's like, it doesn't matter what kind of price is on my head. I am the king. I am entering in. And then the third part, 
This was a deliberate claim to be king. It was a deliberate claim to be king. But not just any king. You see, when we think of king, we think of Hollywood king, where we see somebody ruling on a, on a physical throne, and people are bringing him food, and there's land, and he's saying, this person shall live, and this person shall die. No, that's not the kingship that Jesus Christ was saying. You see, a normal king, have you ever guys ever seen um, uh, uh, Aladdin, like the movie Aladdin? And there's like the newest one with Will Smith. I'm all about that one. It's amazing. But like, so here's Aladdin entering this town. What does he come in on? Right? He comes in on this big elephant. Like he makes like this statement. He is king, you know, 75 golden, you know, camels. And then there's, he's throwing gold everywhere. Like, I mean, even though he was a prince, well, fake prince, but a prince, like that's the entry of somebody of authority, right? But here's Jesus. Here's Jesus's kingship. He's not riding in on a donkey with 75 golden camels and people dancing and people waving swords, proclaiming that he is king. No way. He actually does it in the most humble of a ways. You see, only a humble king would have been riding in on a donkey. And more specifically, it wasn't just any donkey. The Bible actually talks about it was a donkey that had never been ridden before. You see, Jesus Christ's claim to kingship isn't a... a, isn't a kingship of land and wealth and, 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 and worldly authority. You see, his kingship is one of love, and it's one of peace, and it's one of humility, and it's one of hope. Why? Because he is the king, but he is the king of hope, the hope to humanity. So, pretty incredible when you think about what's going to happen as Jesus Christ enters into a town this town. But let's take a, a look at some of the events that happened when Jesus Christ rode into this town on this young donkey. And while we look at these points, I want us to be challenged about what we draw out of this portion of Scripture. We're going to look at Luke chapter 19. He says this, after Jesus, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethphage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Right there, right? Nobody had ever ridden. Un untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? There's the prearrangement. Jesus had arranged for there a colt to be there. And so, so much to the point is, he says this, if anyone asks you, just say that the Lord needs it, right? So there's already some kind of an agreement going on. This was not some accident. It was amazing that this was about to take place. The next part says, they replied, the Lord needs it, as the, uh, the owner asked them. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And verse 40 says, I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry 
out. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this short message, God, would be something that teaches us not only who you are, but what you want from us, Lord. And God, I pray, Jesus, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open to the very things that you want us to learn through this portion of Scripture. God, we thank you, Jesus, for the week that this signifies, Lord. Lord, and we thank you for your kingship. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to share with you three observations, and I want us to focus on these three observations for today's message. The first one is this. The respect of the people. The respect of the people. We see this demonstrated in such a small part of this story, but in verse 35, he says this, they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put, it, put Jesus on it, the colt. And he went along, people, and as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. This may seem like such a simple, small point, but I'm so drawn to it. So drawn to the fact that the people respected him so much, they viewed him so high and in fact, the Bible actually doesn't say they're just people in the crowd. It says that they were his disciples. And as we'll later see, the Pharisees themselves call the people his disciples. You see, we've seen this at another place in another portion of Scripture in the Old Testament. In 2 Kings, when a king would enter the room, there would be cloaks placed on the floor for the king to walk on. on. Or uh, in, in, as they're entering a town, things would be put out on the ground for the king to walk on. You see, which in fact is exactly what and who Jesus Christ is. In fact, the Bible calls him not just any king, but the king of kings. In fact, the kingship is actually mentioned many times in Scripture. So we have the disciples declaring Jesus Christ as king with a cloak upon the colt and people declaring Christ as king as they lay their cloaks on the ground in front of him as he walks in. And it's not just his feet, it's, the, it's really the, 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 the feet of the colt, the feet of the donkey. Those, are the one that, those feet are the ones that are stepping upon those cloaks. The respect of the people, and the other way that they started respecting, or that they showed the respect, is the proclamation of who he is. They proclaimed who he is. Verse 37 says this, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king, right there, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They showed respect by laying out their cloaks as you would a king, but they also showed respect by proclaiming verbally who he is. I want to ask you, do we show God that much respect? Now, I'm not saying you have to pull off your jacket, you know, before you walk into church and throw your jacket down, you know, as, as the presence of God enters into this building. But do we show God this much respect? Do we proclaim God as king in our life? When was the last time we genuinely respected God so much, so much, and celebrated His kingship? When is the last time we actually celebrated God's kingship? When was the last time we verbally declared Him as king 
over our life. King over our issues. King over our problems. King over the great successes that we have. King over the hard tr uh, troubles that we have. When was the last time we did this? But I encourage you this week, take some time to declare him as king over your life. Let's take some time to respect him. Let's pray right now. God, you're our king. And even as much as our minds understand what a king to be, Lord, you're that in all, the, all, 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 all more. God, you're king over my troubles. You're king over my life. You're king over, over the successes that we have. God, you're king over my finances. God, you're king over my family. God, you're the king that brings hope to our life. Lord, you're our king. Our king. Let's take some time this week to respect God on a whole new level. My first observation from this portion of Scripture was the respect of the people. My second one is the reaction of the Pharisees. The reaction of the Pharisees. Now, along with the people who were cheering on Jesus as he was entering into the, into the, the town, were also the Pharisees in the crowd. And if you know anything about the Pharisees, these were, pe were people that absolutely hated Jesus Christ. Now, there were, come, there were some of them that came to know Jesus Christ and to love him and to respect him. But many of this, the Pharisees, actually, you know, they, they are known to be people that, that did not like Jesus because he came into the picture and changed up everything to them, right? They were jealous of him. They hated him, and they hated the fact that he would, he would expose them you know, for, for what they really were. And, you know, sometimes we're the same way. We don't like being exposed for what we really are if we're dealing with some stuff, right? Um, they hated him because they were afraid of him, and they, and they were also afraid of the following that Jesus Christ had, this group of people. They hated the fact that Jesus was getting more attention than they would ever get. You see, when Pharisees walked into town, there was no cloaks thrown down and people cheering, declaring their kingship. No, because they weren't the king. They hated the fact that Jesus was getting so much more than they were. You see, they would never have the following that Jesus Christ would ever get. They were the quote-unquote religious professionals, the Pharisees were. But Jesus Christ not only knew the Word of God, but He embodied the Godhead. He embodied the Father. He embodied the Son. He embodied the Holy Spirit. You see, that was something they wouldn't get. They wouldn't understand that because they didn't necessarily view Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the King. So to the Pharisees, Jesus Christ was a massive threat to them and their way of life. The Bible says this, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. It's so interesting that A, they call him teacher, and not just some, you know, false teacher. B, they tell him to rebuke his disciples. He doesn't say rebuke these people that are cheering you on. You see, they themselves are acknowledging that he is much more than just some man, but he is a man with a following. They themselves are acknowledging that these just aren't 
people happy that there's some guy entering into the crowds. They're acknowledging that there are disciples who not only love him, trust him, but also follow his teachings, right? But here's the thing. Do we react the same way as the Pharisees? Do we react this way? And I'm not saying that we're hating on Jesus because, you know, we don't hate Jesus. I would assume that none of us in this room hate Jesus Christ. But do we sometimes get upset when something great is happening in somebody else's life and we are not a part of that? You know what I mean? So here's the, here's the Pharisees. They're seeing this amazing entrance happening and these people are cheering, but they'll never understand Jesus Christ in that way. Do we sometimes get upset? Do we see those around us, maybe even respecting and worshiping God, and get jealous of what is happening in their life? Right? You know, I pray that we never look at somebody, and as they worship God, as they experience His presence, that we never get jealous of what they're experiencing. And if we do, if it is a jealousy, it's a jealousy that pushes us to become more and more and more like Jesus Christ, to, to experience more and more of his praise and more and more of his worship. Listen, I want to encourage you that jealousy is not something that we need in our life. In fact, when we see people around us experiencing God, experiencing the, the move of the Spirit, experiencing uh, the realization of God's presence entering their life, man, we should be cheering them on. And I truly do believe that many of us, that, that we do that. I really do. In fact, the Bible says somewhere else that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I mean, that is key to a healthy church. When one of us suffer, we all suffer, right? We should see those around us that are experiencing God and cheer them on. You see, this may seem like such a random, far-fetched point, but when we go through things and we struggle to worship God, it actually may bother us when we see other people and we know that they're going through things and they're going through struggles. It may bother us that, that those things aren't affecting their worship to God. It's like, well, why are they like that? I have my problems too. But here's the thing when it comes to our worship of God. Our worship, that is our choice. If we aren't experiencing worship or experiencing times of worship and times of praise and, and lifting our hands, that's a choice we make. It's not a choice that anyone else is making for us. So I encourage you, encourage you, take some time this week to, to realize that we Cannot, cannot only be happy for those who are experiencing freedom, experiencing Jesus Christ walking into their town, but we can cheer them on and experience, and experience that exact same time. Take this week to bring our respect for God and his kingship to a whole new level. Take some time this week and celebrate the Lord and what he is doing, not only in your life, but celebrate what he is doing in the life of those around you. Celebrate the fact that God is entering our life and he's entering the life of others. My first observation was this, the respect of the people. My second observation was the reaction of the Pharisees. And my third is the response of Jesus. The response of Jesus. You may have heard this verse before in verse 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will 
cry out. This was his response to the Pharisees who tried to get Jesus Christ to silence the disciples, silence the crowd around him. I've heard someone say it like this, and the simplest way to understand it is this. Where praise is released, praise will happen. And if necessary, it will be through stones. Where praise is released, praise will happen. And if necessary, it will be through stones. In other words, in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus Christ, you cannot stop the praise. And that was just what happened here. As he walks into Jerusalem, people who have witnessed his miracles, who have heard about this Messiah that was going to come and change the known world back then, he did. Man, when they see this guy, they're not looking for some guy riding in on this huge elephant with gold flashing everywhere. No, they're seeing this lowly, humble king who, no matter what, loves them and does miracles, right? So they praise. It is, it is released from them. Listen, are we going to let rocks do what we were created to do? You see, you and I, there's a song, you and I were, were created, we, you and I were made for worship. We were created to be beings that give back and to worship a, a, a God who is not created, right? But are we going to let rocks do what we were meant to do? Are we going to let others praise and worship God when we should also be praising and worshiping God and jumping in on that praise party? Why would we sit still while everyone else is experiencing God and not experience the amazing things happen. You see, if the Pharisees really realized who that was walking into their presence, they wouldn't have been complaining about who was there or complaining about the stuff. Can you imagine, like, have you ever been into a church where, like, somebody's, like, loud and singing and dancing, and you're like, oh, gosh, I wish they would be quiet. No way, man. Let it loose. Um, another thing is the gospel, right? The, there's a quote that says, and I could be getting this wrong, the, the gospel is like a lion. Turn it loose and it will do its thing, right? The, our worship and our praise for Jesus Christ is like a lion. Turn it loose, and it will do its thing. Why would we sit back and let others experience what God is doing in their life when we could experience the exact same thing, the, the exact release, the exact worship that is happening? Why would we let stones do what we were created to do. Listen, I understand that church during Holy Week, especially this year, right? We don't have our senior pastor during Palm Sunday. Like, that's crazy, right? And it's unfortunate because he's sick. But I understand that Holy Week is going to be different than it has, I mean, maybe probably similar to last year's Holy Week, unfortunately, right? But let's not let stones cry out in our place. I challenge you this week, I challenge you this week to seek out God like never before, to encourage those around you to seek him out as well, and to not limit the praise that you give Jesus Christ this week. Don't let the stones cry out in your place. Take some time this week to bring our respect for God and his kingship to a whole new level. A whole new level. Take some time this week to celebrate 
what the Lord is doing, not only in your life, but celebrate what the Lord is doing in the lives of you around you. Remember, the Bible says we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. We claim to be a family. Let's do it. Let's celebrate when those um, around us are worshiping and experiencing God entering into their life. And take some time this week to observe the fact that Jesus knows that our praise can be so powerful in his presence that even if we were silent, the praise would happen through other means. Remember, the respect of the people, the response of the Pharisees, and the reaction of Jesus. Take some time this week to observe Luke chapter 19 about what takes place as Jesus Christ enters into Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. And God, we want to be mindful of the fact that when we speak to you, Jesus, not only just speaking to you, but also speaking to your creation, Lord, that when we speak to you, Father God, these aren't just prayers that are leaving our mouth and falling dead to the ground, but no, Lord, these are prayers that reach the ears of the King of Kings. Lord, these are prayers, and this is worship, and this is praise that reaches the throne room, Lord, that reaches your presence, God, the King of hope, the King of our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that as we observe this week, Father, and we worship you, Lord, this week, God, Lord, that we would step out of the mindset, maybe even of the Pharisee, Lord, but in the mindset, uh, mindset of the disciple who praises and worships you, God, as you enter into our life, even, even regularly, God, when we feel your presence, Lord, that we'd be so in tune with it to know, Lord, that it's time to worship you, God, because you are entering the room, Lord. Father, we want to respect you and your kingship so much, Lord. So Jesus, this week, Father, and the many weeks to come, Lord, we thank you, Father, for who you are and for what you did. The cleansing, Lord, that took place, Father. The forgiveness that took place, Jesus. And for blessing us, God, with your presence and with your power, Lord, for always being here with us, God. Lord, we thank you for this church and for the impact that is making, Lord, in Connecticut and in New England, Lord. Father, we thank you for the leadership of this church, Father, who is so dedicated, Lord, to sing to it that it's a successful uh, ministry, Lord, that will make an impact on the community, God. And Lord, we lift up Pastor Dave, God, as he is sick, Father. Lord, that uh, that even though he is he's on the mend and he's doing better, Lord, we lift him up, Father, that, that it would be a quick recovery from here on out, Lord, that when we see him again on Friday, Jesus, that he is 100% healthy and ready to go, Lord. And Father, I thank you for the people in this room, Lord. Lord, what you would, what you would call them your disciples. In fact, Lord, we're thankful that the Pharisees would call them your disciples, Lord. God, Lord, that you would, Lord, that you would be with them, God. Lord, that no matter what they're going through, God, Lord, that they would seek you out, that they would pray for you, pray to you, Lord, and that they would seek you out, God. Lord, that they would seek you out in the rain, and they would seek you out in the sun. Lord, that no matter what is going on in their life, God, 
that they would worship you, Lord, that others around them, God, would cheer them on. Father, we thank you for this community of believers and the things that you've done in this place and the things that you will continue to do. Lord, we thank you for everyone watching at home. Lord, maybe some are sick and maybe not, maybe some aren't just ready to come out yet, but Lord, we just thank you, Father, that even in their home, Lord, I believe in that you're touching them even right now in their home, Lord, that right now your presence is there, that your spirit is there, Lord. And Lord, we just, we, God, we thank you that, that, um, that they're even part, Lord, of this greater family of disciples, Lord. And we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. In your name, God. Amen.